We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Vince, are you ready for it? I'm always ready for rapid fire, baby. Rapid Let's fire go. time. Here Let's we go. go. All right, we'll include if you if you know if your stuff is good enough, we'll work it into rapid fire as well. We've got some stuff on deck. We're not going to neglect it. You can still shoot questions in, but here we go. How differently does an eight and four season feel under Marcus Freeman compared to eight and four if Brian Kelly was still here? Completely different completely different if brian kelly was here notre dame goes eight and four with the exact same losses that marcus freeman had we would be skewering brian kelly we would be hanging him in effigy people would would be be ready to fire him yes we would light his carcass on fire i mean it would it would be just it would be chaos frankly and Eight and four under Marcus Freeman, while it is a disappointment, and nobody can change my mind about that, is a disappointment. Okay. You can still. Is somebody trying to change your mind about that? Like, yes and no. Brian and I had a nice debate about it. Well, I I, I take it back. We had a debate about whether nine and three would have been a disappointment if they would have beaten USC. I said it was still disappointing because I said the floor would have been 10 and two going into the season, and they got, they were nine and three. Now, the way they finished, et cetera, et cetera. But they're eight and four. And that's a disappointment, no doubt. But there's a lot of positives you can take from it, recruiting being one of them. Because if Brian Kelly was still the head coach, I don't think they have the same recruiting class that they have right now for the 23 class that they're going to sign here in three weeks. I think it's completely different. So you've got a lot of positives coming out of this season. While it is still a disappointment, if it was Brian Kelly, this is year 13, and he goes eight and four with the roster that he had, no, man, like you're calling for his job at that point. So it's a completely different feeling. Yeah, I agree. By the way, um, I, I didn't see Tommy Gunn's question. I'm just going to point the finger at Vince. He's the one in charge of of Uh-oh. finding the questions for us. So I didn't right. see any Tommy Gunn's questions. He said we skipped over his question. But, yeah, we might have. yeah to this question about free versus Kelly – we were coming off the five straight seasons of double-digit wins in the college football playoff appearances, just missing out on the playoff, you know, 11-1 and one in the regular season and just missing out on the playoff last year. So if you had gone from that with bringing back what they brought back, really the biggest question being the quarterback, and then all of a sudden, you know, Again, love Brian Kelly or hate him. He had won all these games against the unranked teams, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so if sure. all of a sudden Brian Kelly loses twice to unranked teams at home, and specifically these unranked teams, Marshall and Stanford, you're in full panic mode. But at oh, yeah. least with Marcus Freeman, you can you – know, I'm not saying you're going to completely disregard it because, you know, I don't think we can completely put it in our past, but we can at least say he's grown from there. Like mm-hmm. since that Stanford game, we did see a different team. And even though they lost to USC, that was obviously still a top five USC team. I mean, they had to play three top five teams this season, and they managed to beat one of them. Yeah. You know? Sure. So, and that and that was part of that stretch that came after Stanford. So you can write some things off to growing pains of a first-year head coach because you knew there had to be some growing pains for him. You just didn't know to what extent. So again, if it's Brian Kelly, you're in panic mode. The you know, the program is going backwards, it's you know, it's backsliding oh, yeah. and all these things. Where with Marcus Freeman, you've got, well, okay, eight and four still isn't what we wanted. But there were some good things that happened in there. We mm-hmm. have still finished, I think, as you said the other day, you're on an upward trajectory still for Marcus Freeman. Even with that loss to USC, you got to take care of the bowl game now. But it just feels with with everything that he's still doing, the recruiting class is ranked number two in the nation right now. So with all these things, you know, you, you're still taking care of business with the recruits. So it just feels it's a night and day different feel because yes, because of because of everything absolutely huge difference huge difference because we don't have the optimism going into the offseason if if this is a brian kelly coach team we just don't i mean it would be a top 15 recruiting class give or take you know and and it would be has he become complacent yeah is it you know is is notre dame about to you know again is notre dame about to backslide those kind of things would be absolutely and and justifiably so by the way all of those comments would have been justifiable yeah and i mean just think about you know because there were already people who were disgruntled with brian kelly right and again some of it justifiably so and so those people would have been even more vocal if this had been an eight four season under kelly compared myself included i mean i'd have been leading the charge i you know i know you would yeah We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for 
Happy price, price line. All right, scale of one to 10, rate the importance of Cam Hart coming back for his fifth year at Notre Dame. I think it's like a nine. I mean, I'm still a big Cam Hart fan. I think he was undervalued by a lot of Notre Dame fans this year because he just wasn't thrown at a whole lot. He just wasn't. And from my understanding, I mean, one of the reasons, you know, he's coming back is number one, he got injured at the end of the season. You know, that's not a way that you want to go out and especially going into a combine and, you know, all of that different stuff. So I Mm -hmm. get that part of it. But from what I understand, he's also excited to come back because of the research of the the rise of Benjamin Morrison, because he thinks guys are going to try and throw at him more. So he's going to have an opportunity to show them what he's got. I I think you're going to have arguably one of the top two, one of the top corner, uh, top one, two corners in the country next year. I really do. I do too. And I, and I think that there's, there's no value you could put to that. I mean, that's, that's invaluable. I mean, that's, that's something that you absolutely want to have. And I can't remember the last time that Notre Dame really actually had that. So I think it's huge. I do as well. I'd, I'd put it at a nine as well, because you've got your two starters back. Basically you're losing Tariq Bracey, who, as you said, was probably their, you know, their best guy game in and game out this year. And to think about where Tariq Bracey came from early in his career to where he is. Plus, you know, assuming you're getting Clarence Lewis back, you've got three and you've still got young studs coming in the program, yeah. but yeah. To have to have the high end guys with all the experience with with Morrison and and uh, and Hart both coming back, we're probably going to see some guys who were on the roster this year get to step in, you know, into some other roles. And like the question came up earlier with the nickel, and like who's going to be the nickel now with Tariq Bracy gone? I mean, that's going to be one of the questions for the off season. I would have to think that Jaden Mickey. Yeah. probably, you know, is going to have kind of the first crack to show whether he can handle that or not. You know, there were some – we saw him there at points this year. So I, I would think that he'll kind of be at the top of the list. But I, I think that with the spring, there'll probably be pretty much an open audition there to see what guys can do. Yeah, I think he's got he's a leader in the clubhouse, to be honest with you, if we're talking about nickel. Uh, and, and some people are saying that he's playing out of position there. And that may be. But and that's because he was playing outside corner all spring, and then they moved him there in the fall. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to have more of an opportunity to practice there and be there, be the guy, be the man at that spot. And I think he's going to be, I think he'd be really good there once he gets comfortable in that spot. So, I mean, you're you're telling me that you're going to have Cam Hart, Benjamin Morrison, and Jaden Mickey as your three corners? I, I'm okay with that. I you can. You can roll with that. And then if you've got Xavier Watts and somebody else at safety, whether it's Peyton Bowen as a true freshman, I don't know how I feel about that yet. I need to see the man play against some college competition, but he looks looking awfully good against high school kids. Yeah. That's for sure. So you're, you're going to have a pretty – we're not going to have questions about the secondary going into the fall. It may, may be like who plays here, who plays there, that kind of thing. Right. But as a whole, as a like a confidence level thing, the secondary is, is going to be where it's at. Yeah, I concur. All right, fill in the blank, Vince. In the last three weeks, I've talked to a Clemson reporter on one side of the country and a USC reporter on the other side of the country. And it's blank that both of those guys have the strong opinion that Notre Dame is destined to join the Big Ten in the near future. It is obvious that they have no idea how Notre Dame operates. (laughs) 
because I just do not see that being the case. And you and I have talked about it a bunch. They're on the outside looking in. And, and I could probably are, throw a Syracuse guy in there as well when know, I talk to the Syracuse guy. Everybody throw, is everybody. under the impression that Notre Dame is just going to run to the Big Ten. Yeah, you can throw everybody like. into that that's not a Notre Dame person because they have no, they don't understand. They're part of it. They cover a team that's part of a conference and they don't know what it's like to be an independent. They just don't get it. You, what, what, do you, what do you mean? We got, you got to be part of a conference. I, I don't know. How, and if Notre Dame joins a conference, they think that it's obvious that they'll go to the Big Ten. Again, number one, Notre Dame's not joining a conference. Number two, if they did join a conference, they have to join the ACC. They don't have a choice right now under contract. They're under contract with the ACC. Number three, the expansion of the college football playoff pretty much guarantees that Notre Dame is not going to be joining a conference anytime soon, period. Unless they make a rule that you have to be a conference champion to be in the college football playoff, there is no chance Notre Dame is joining a conference anytime soon. Yeah. And as Michael says, they all think that it is the Big Ten because yes. of the $100 million payout. They're all blinded by more, the money. <laughs> that's, it is more than just about the $100 million. Now, Notre Dame, like everybody else, they value the dollar as well, but they also value their independence. And as I have tried to explain to all of these guys, just what you started with, one, the ex the fact that the college football playoff is going to expand from four to 12 was the first huge step yes. for Notre Dame because it guarantees more future access to the college football playoff, more spots in the playoff, yep. more opportunity for Notre Dame. So they don't have to worry, you know, like, they would have been like last week's game against USC would have had 10 times more meaning. USC pretty much would have had a, a spot locked up in the playoff going into last week. Notre Dame would have been playing to get into the top 12 if, if right. the, you know, if, if the playoff field had been 12 this year. So like there's that, that is, that is number one. Now, the TV contract is the next thing that it has to be sure. figured out. Now, are they going to get $100 million like the teams from the SEC and the Big Ten? Probably not. But they're probably also going to get more than the 15 to $20 million that they're getting from NBC Absolutely. right now. They're going to get a lot more. The question is, how close to that $100 million can they get? And, you know, again, I think we've talked about this before. I don't think they necessarily have to be pushing even in that 80 to $90 million range because their athletic department is not as big right. as the Ohio states and Oklahoma's and, you know, these other state schools. They're not as dependent on that. That's right. Check their like budget isn't the are, same yeah. as, as those other schools. But, yeah. you know, the next question is, do they get the TV contract? And as long as they have a TV contract for the home games that gets them what they consider the right amount of money, that, that makes it worth it for them to stay independent. They're going to stay independent. You know, yeah. there's just no question about that. And as you said, they also have this contract with the ACC that they would have to buy their way out of and, you know, switch over all the, you know, the other teams in the, you know, the Olympic sports from the ACC to the big 10. So I, I, you know, I, I've really just kind of found it very curious that all these people yeah. seem to think that I will say this. Next week, I'm not going to say the name of the reporter, but I have an interview scheduled for early next week with a nationally prominent sports media reporter 
And we're going to talk a lot about the Notre Dame NBC contract, you know, the future, you know, what's going on in the booth right now, a lot of those different things. So if anyone has those kind of questions, I'll probably bring up Herb Street and Fowler for that matter. So if anyone has questions for the sports media guy next week, you can throw those Mm -hmm. at us as well. And I'll see if I can work those in. But Nice. I mean, I don't think that it is anything to worry about right now because, again, the first step is already there, the expansion of the playoff. The, the question now is you've got a couple years left on this NBC contract. What's the next contract right. going to look yeah. like? As long as they still That's have important. a TV partner that yeah. pays them what they consider yep. you know, the reasonable right amount of money, they're going to be fine. The Big Ten right. is, is not going to happen. Like they're not going to get what they're getting now from NBC because that's chump change. Like that's not going to happen. They will be able to make a better deal, whether it's with Fox, CBS, NBC, whoever it happens to be, they're going to be able to make a deal with somebody. They're just not as beholden to that check as other people. Like you said, it's just, they have options because of that, right? Their other sports make money and it's smaller and all of those different things. And they just, they don't need to make rash decisions just based on a paycheck like UCLA and USC, for example, or just can't wait to get to the Big Ten because of that huge payout that they're about to get. So it's going to be, it, it is 100% going to be interesting to see where Notre Dame goes and which TV partner that they end up having, because yeah. I think that is intriguing, to be honest with you, because uh, I don't know how happy they are with NBC, right? And I know none of, none of the people in the chat are happy with them. Uh, but I think that's going to be intriguing to keep an eye on. Yeah, I leave NBC. They really don't value the Notre Dame brand. I found it, you know, when Notre Dame, when the women's basketball team played Cal in St. Louis a couple weeks ago, do you remember that? That was mm-hmm. the first women's basketball game televised on NBC. Yeah. And it's like, interesting. how much of that was, you know, like NBC Focus trying to keep up. Notre Dame happy, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so. It's I really it's it's going to be. Yeah. And somebody asked if it was Mike Tirico. No, it is not Mike Tirico. It is not someone who actively works like on this side of a microphone in the media or broadcast games. It is someone who covers sports media, who kind of has all the contacts for the ins and outs and, you know, those kind of things. And we'll have a lot of opinions about sport sports media. So which I'm looking forward to more than just talking to someone. Yeah, you know, right. Talk to someone kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Tennessee and Alabama, both 10 and two Vince, mm-hmm. despite Tennessee's head to head win over Alabama college football playoff rankings have the tide. Number six, the volunteers at number seven this week, college football playoff chair. Boo Corrigan says it's due to Alabama's quote, full body of work end quote. Do you buy or sell a team with the same record and a head-to-head loss being ranked ahead of the team that beat them? You know, it's it is it is tough because I know that the college football playoff committee values Alabama over pretty much anybody, if we're being honest. And I almost wasn't going to be surprised if they had Alabama at five and Ohio state at six, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause I, I just, it, that would just not surprise me in any way. And, you know, they say that it's about the body of work. I, you know, when you look at Alabama's schedule and who they beat and you know all of that, they beat a head coachless Auburn, 
They did beat Ole Miss, which Brian would say is not a good win. I get that. They lost to LSU. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah. The rest of their wins, I mean, they beat Texas A&M by four. They blew out Arkansas that everybody thought was going to be good, but they're not. They blew out Vanderbilt. Okay. I I mean, their wins aren't really all that good. And if you want to say that Texas is their best win and they won by a point, I mean, is that really that good of a win? And the loss to LSU looks worse now because LSU now is a three-loss team. And they just lost to Texas A&M for that matter. Good call. And yeah. so, yeah, I just, <sighs> here's the only, here's the only Go justification I can ahead. see. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't see the whole context of what Boo Corrigan said, but you know, again, I saw that he said it's due to, due to the body of work, you know, Hendon Hooker is out for Tennessee. So I do think that's a factor. Yeah. Like, the, and yeah. the, like the fact that Tennessee got their doors blown off by South Carolina a couple of weeks ago, you know, they bounced back and, and easily took care of, Vanderbilt, but with no Hendon Hooker, they are de- definitely a different team right now than the team that beat both Alabama and LSU. You know, so that, that makes would sense. Be, that would be my only yeah. rationalization. Otherwise, I completely agree with what you're saying. But because of the fact that that they don't have a guy who was once a Heisman candidate, then that I, I would have to weigh that into consideration. And I know, like the NCAA tournament has has way to injuries and stuff like that sure. for his factors. So right. It's yeah. a major, it's a major. That's a good point. I didn't even think player. about that. And I think that honestly, with all things being considered, I might put them behind. But again, in the grand scheme of things, having them where, you know, having one at six, one at seven, are, does that make a difference? You know what I mean? It might make a difference in what bowl you go to, but yeah. the SEC pools all their bowl money and they hand it out evenly so you know i think it's splitting hairs at this point but yeah i would put alabama above just because they don't have tennessee doesn't have their quarterback i think that's legit right all right a couple uh a couple from the uh the chat queue here chase wants to know what we think of the news out of the rose bowl saying they might pick penn state and uh changing also changing notre dame's bowl game I don't understand how Penn State. I don't understand how Penn State going. Number one, why would they take Penn State? Because the next highest ranked Big Ten team goes to the Rose Bowl. That's yeah. Ohio State. Ohio State, exactly. Ohio State is nowhere near Penn State in the rankings. I think Penn State's like 10, if I remember correctly. So I don't know why they would take Penn State. That's not how they do the contract, that's not how it works. They take the next highest ranked team. That's Ohio State. Also, I'm just not sure how that affects Notre Dame's bowl situation. Do you can you explain that to me or do you know off the top of your head? I don't know what that how all that trickles down, but I did see someone projecting today the ReliaQuest Bowl, which used to be the Outback Bowl in Tampa as a potential landing spot for Notre Dame now, which earlier in the week, it was pretty much cheese it Gator holiday were the three. And so I, now I yeah. am seeing where like So I don't know if this has something to do with that or not. Well, and again, it all depends on the order that these teams get to these bowls, get to pick the teams, right? I, I, the Gator bowl is the ACC versus the SEC. 
So I just don't understand again how the Big Ten comes into play with that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe says, I'm missing something. Greg says because Ohio State was just there. I mean, you know, so like in the, old, in the old day, it's like the Rose Bowl is clinging to tradition. You know, like they're trying to keep their spot in this hierarchy with the expansion of the college football playoff. They're going to be lucky if they're still operating in a couple of years because they think they have leverage that they don't have, you know, for one thing. So, like, so what Ohio State was just there? Ohio State brings a lot of people to the Rose Bowl. That's all that matters, you know, and all that matters to them is they get to kick off at 5 o'clock Eastern time and get their sunset. So they really don't seem to care who's playing in the game from year to year. Right. They get the parade and they get their sunset. Right. The bottom line is they take the next highest ranked Big Ten team. That's Ohio State. I don't understand what the, the – I hate to say it, but it sounds like clickbait to me. Yeah. That's what that sounds so, like. You know, we got people saying Ohio State won't go because they can't sell all, all their tickets. I don't, I don't know. That Penn State's going to travel better than Ohio State? Is that – like? I don't know. I mean, it's, been, it's obviously been longer since Penn State has been there, but I don't know if that matters or not. All right, Tommy Guns threw the question out. What's your ideal usage for Edwards next year? He says he can see him being the gadget guy, something like Curtis Samuel Braxton Miller role after he switched from quarterback. Sure. I mean, <laughs> right now the gadget guy should be Chris Tyree. So yeah. yeah, Dylan Edwards can be the backup to Chris Tyree. There you go. That's how I see them using Edwards. As like as a Chris Tyree type, but you you've got Chris Tyree still, and I think he's better than Edwards, and so I'm still using Chris Tyree. Yeah, that's I mean, it's it's frustrating just seeing these athletes not being utilized already, especially when they're upperclassmen who are not being utilized to their full potential. You can throw Braden Lindsay in there as well, and you know we were pounding the table for Chris Tyree, and then we finally saw Chris Tyree, and lo and behold. He has a great, you know, day against Cal and kind of great couple of games, and then all of a sudden he sort of falls into the in, in into the background, right? Once again, I mean, Chris Tyree is a great athlete, just waiting to be mm-hmm. used. So that's mm-hmm. that's who I would go with first. But you know, I, I could see that down the road for a guy like Edwards as well. Yeah, Craig with a super chat. Thank Woo! you, Craig. Any idea who are playing in the bowl game and where we might play <laughs> in the bowl game? Well, I guess we just kind of touched on that. We did. South I, I, Carolina is a name that comes up over and over again. South Carolina or take your pick of other SEC schools. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they've all kind of been floated out there. I think that that's accurate. I, I still think Notre Dame is going to go to the Gator Bowl because the way I understand it is the cheez Bowl has first pick. They're going to pick Florida State. And the Gator Bowl has second pick. They're going to pick Notre Dame. And that's who they're going to have. And then it's going to be South Carolina, Ole Miss, or who is the third one? Mississippi State, I think I saw as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yeah. I I And LSU, yeah, there's an outside chance that they could play LSU as well. But I, as far as where Notre Dame is going to end up, I still think they're going to end up in the Gator Bowl. Yeah. That's what I think as of right now. Because they're, you know, they're, there's not like as much wiggle room in any of this bowl yeah. selection as there used to be because there are all these tie-ins. You know, the only the only real wiggle wiggle room is Notre Dame gets a spot, you know, with one of the ACC's bowl games and and all that kind of stuff. 
Yes. And somebody asked if they have a chance of playing Oregon. The only chance they have of playing Oregon is if they go to the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, because that is an ACC versus Pac-12 game. So if I'm being honest, I don't know where the Holiday Bowl lands as far as order for the Pac-12. But that would be, the I think, the only opportunity that they have to play a Pac-12 team off the top of my head. I am not an expert at uh, I am not an expert at the bowl tie-ins. Yeah, like who goes where if this happens and that right, kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. There's and it's know, a domino again. effect. I mean, there's no right. doubt about it. It, it. It's absolutely a domino effect. So you know, right. we'll see what happens. Right. Mike wants to know which position group will make the biggest jump in 2023. Uh, hopefully, it's quarterback. <laughs> that that and wide receiver. Yeah. Um, yeah. which I think quarterback will, will affect wide receiver, yeah. you know, but yeah. And the problem is as of right now, there are potentially a lot of new faces that we don't even know who they're going to be yet. So it's hard to, it's hard to actually make that prediction. Yeah. Like, are so, they going to take a, a grad transfer right. quarterback? Are they going to take a, a grad transfer wide receiver or two? And, you know, yeah. How are some of these other guys there's man. I mean, those are the those are the two that really need to get better. The question is, will they? Right, right, absolutely. That, and that you know, it's it's which one do I want to get better? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the quarterback position. <laughs> Milton asks the million dollar question: Why do you guys suspect Tommy Reese doesn't one. do more twenty one personnel? Seems like a no brainer. All you, buddy. The success rate. I wish I knew. Now we we did see more of it. The last couple of weeks, but they didn't always do successful things at it. You know, like we saw, you know, whether it was 21 or 31, we saw the pass plays a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, uh, against Boston College that were huge. I have no idea why they don't do more because, as I have said over and over and over again this season, like we were just talking about. The wide receiver position is a position that needs to get better. The quarterback needed the kind of pass plays that were just easy little layups that he could hit whenever he needed to. He, you know, the screen passes up and down at times, but like when he was throwing to to running backs down the seam a little bit, you know, whether they were short or or intermediate, whatever they happen to be, some wheel routes and stuff like that. He was able to hit those pretty easily. And because the running back position was so much stronger overall than the wide receiver position, to me it was inconceivable that we didn't see more of it throughout the season as more of a staple. You know, even like 30% of the time as opposed to probably, what, 10% of the time that we probably saw them because all three of those guys can catch the ball. All, you know, all three of those guys have nice hands and they play off each other. So what, you know, and that like, that's like against USC. Yeah. They threw the running backs, the ball a little bit more, but I've, I always felt like they were more productive when they had multiple backs on the field. Like when they, you know, do a little fake to one and then, Oh, here to the other side. Now we'll throw it to this guy or we'll hand it to this guy going the other way, you know, using the runner running backs to, to both manipulate the box and to counter each other. Why they didn't do more, I have no idea. Because to me, the running back position was far and away the best position group on the field for the offense. 
Well, I won't say far and away because the offensive line was good as well. But skill right, position. but they're not skill position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, you can't just run. You can't just run 100 21 personnel. But no, but and, and again, I'm not saying that. Right, no, I'm not saying you are. But you can take advantage of so yes. many mismatches with I linebackers agree. when you're mixing them in and out. I agree. The percentage that they used 21 personnel was way lower than it needed to be. Way lower because I I agree with you wholeheartedly that. From a matchup standpoint, it's, I mean, there's so many mismatches, so many mismatches in favor of Notre Dame when they're in 21. And that will continue to be the case moving into next season. So, and probably the season after that as well. Because the running back room is going to be stacked for a few more years at least. So they need to utilize it more off 21, 31. The whole nine. That, I mean, yeah. that needs to be I mean, what that Milton is. is asking. Can we speculate why? I mean, I just, I honestly have no idea why. Do you mm-hmm. like the why? I don't. There is no why to me because I think just like what you think, Milton, I think the exact same way. <laughs> I mean, Vince, Vince, I know is tired of hearing me talk about more 21, you know, but no, no, but almost every time they do something out of 21, it's successful, you know, and. So why they didn't use it more considering the deficiencies yeah. they had, I, I just, I don't know. It, it makes no sense to me. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The the only thing I could see is, you know, like, you know, I think Diggs was a little bit dinged up from time to time. Maybe that affected, you know, their the preparation did you know did they want to risk having two backs on the field at the you know because that's the kind of stuff that we heard with brian kelly is like because we had seen some two back stuff over the years but because of just you know again like either either minor mostly minor injuries at the running back positions i think they didn't want to risk having those guys on the field at the same time and risk another guy getting yeah. hurt so that you're down numbers you know i that's i guess yeah but Tommy yeah. Reese himself has said, when you've got Chris Tyree on the field with one of those other two guys, the the options are are virtually limitless. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and 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 again, that's that's how you get Chris Tyree more involved in the offense next year or in the bowl game or whatever is just have him out there with another running back because you yeah. can move him all over the place and just you know, and again, like that that run on third and two on the very first series that Diggs had. In my world, that would have been Chris Tyree running the football. That was one of the few times that 21 did not, (laughs) was not successful. So, I don't know. Um, We Are Not Marshall wants to know what the offseason looks like. Covering men's basketball, lacrosse. I mean, you know, I'm doing play-by-play for women. So, I've got a lot of that going on. Uh, you know, throwing in some coverage of the men from time yeah. to time. Are you you're going to the Michigan State game tonight? Right? I am. I'm I, as soon as we're done here, I'm gonna eat a little dinner and make my way over to campus and and head to the game. I'm gonna go to five or six games this season. Uh, kind of looked at the calendar and figured out which games I could go to, and I'm gonna try to go. And 
have a little bit more firsthand knowledge of the men's team. That way you and I can talk more intelligently about it. And I right. try to make it to a few women's games as well. My daughters really want to go see the women play, which is awesome. So we're going to go do that. And, um, you know, that's pretty much the off season. It's going to be uh, basketball, basketball, and then high school sports as well for me. So that's my off season. And then you get into the spring. And of course, we're going to follow the baseball team because Sean and I are huge baseball nuts and, right. you know, want to see what it's like with a brand new head coach and everything that's going to be happening in Notre Dame baseball. I mean, that's exciting all by itself. So yeah, we're definitely going to baseball. And then of course, spring football. Hello. By the way, I saw that. Uh, did you see that baseball just released their schedule today? No, I didn't. Florida State coming to the Eck. No way. In April, I believe. Of course. Well, so. I shouldn't say no way. They're in the same conference. So, of course, that makes right. sense. But uh, that'll be a well-attended game, I would imagine. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, so now We Are Not Marshall wants an MLB podcast Wow. once a week. Uh, I tell you what, we might make some people upset. If we did that, you know, Seriously. because we'll start having having them jeering us with with calls of fencing. Know, <laughs> remember, right? remember that? I, I do. Mean, we'll we'll try to work some baseball in, of course, when we can. But you know, this is still predominantly going to be a Notre Dame football podcast. But we're going to work as many other sports in as we can. We're only in week one since That's the season true. has ended, and we yeah. still have a bowl selection coming up. So we still got a lot of football to talk right now so absolutely and we you know we're gonna have some an extra rapid fire show eventually like we're gonna be doing some extra stuff starting this week yeah now that we don't have a pre-game show and a post-game show and a pawn for the review and all those so sean and i decided we're gonna do a couple extra uh rapid fires we're gonna have some fun with it and you know because that's our favorite part of the show yeah absolutely of course (laughs) <laughs> yeah there you go tommy says an mlb podcast will revolve around chicago and whoever sean likes just like when him and jesse talk nfl it's always cowboys <laughs> well i mean i mean, you know. I mean we can you know we we slip some other nfl stuff <laughs> in try to try to yeah you know you're probably right there's probably more cowboys than any others uh, my MLB team, I am Royals, but I am also Red Sox and and Cubs. So my the Red Sox thing started like growing up in the 70s, you know, like when the Royals were good the first time with George Brett, Frank White, you know, all those guys, they would always lose to the Yankees in the playoffs. And so that's where I started my hatred for the Yankees. And so Makes of course sense. the Red Sox being, you know, the Yankees rival, it was easy to kind of get on board <laughs> with that. And I, but I also always watched, you know, like even in the lean, you know, I watched on WGN, yeah, I would baby. watch Harry Carey and, and Steve Stone and, you know, those games all the time before it went to, you know, the current where like you have to pay for everything <sighs> to Brutal. watch it. So Brutal. Grew up watching, grew up watching that. So those are kind of the three that I'm, that I've, that I'm in on the most. Now I have a bone to pick with Irish Chi Town because everybody's kind of putting their favorite teams up, and that's awesome. <laughs> you can't be a fan of both the Cubs and the White Sox. You can't do it. Yeah, that's 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 like uh, a that's like a big Chicago foul, isn't no, it? Oh, you can't Being be a fan, a fan of, both? of both. I would never 
in 2005 when the White Sox were in the World Series and ended up winning the whole thing. People were like, oh, I'm rooting for the White Sox. I just want a team from Chicago to win. What? No. It's like no. When, John, when John Cusack would get booed out of the South Side because he, you know, he was like a, a Cubs fan. I mean, didn't own, it. Around. own it. It's okay. Yeah. Vince Vaughn ain't going to no Chicago White Sox fan, games. You know what I mean? Like, own the fact that you are a Cubs fan. And yes, it was lean in the 2000s. I get it, right? But own the own it, man. Own That's it right. and hate the White Sox. That's what you need to do. You got to do it. You got to do it. I know. All right. Well, that is going to do it for tonight. Great mailbag show tonight. A lot of oh. people on board listening, watching. I'm not sure there's going to be a show tomorrow because I do have that Notre Dame-Maryland women's basketball game. Do, do you have some insight? We will have a show. I did talk okay. to Brian today. Awesome. And we are planning on he and I doing the show together. It's going to be the Vincent Brian show. Uh, <laughs> but there's a chance that that show could be altered. So stay tuned. Oh, so interesting. That's An altered show. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All if right. You're, if you're a fan of the message board. There may be information on there tomorrow. So okay. there you go. And again, we will have that uh, standalone rapid fire on Friday at some point. Yes. As well. So. Yes, sir. That. Should be fun. Thanks, Derek. Now get back to marriage counseling. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hit the like button if you would on your way out tonight. If you haven't already, always appreciate it. Always appreciate you stopping in and listening. So. Vince and Brian tomorrow, the Rapid Fire show with uh, Vince and Jesse and I on Friday. A call-in show. Ooh, that would be interesting. It's, it's I don't know how of, we would make that work. We, but, number one, it would be very difficult technology-wise. But number yeah. two, you guys are nuts, all right? And bringing you on, you never know what you're going to get. So I'm, I'm obviously playing with everybody. But the chances of us bringing on somebody that – drop some swear word or just says something that we just can't have is yeah way too high i know brian will never go for that yeah exactly all right we will talk to you later appreciate it ivy nation sports talk Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.